Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Welcome to another episode of My Property World. I'm Will Mallard, and today I'm delighted to be joined by the HMO Duchess, Maria Luisa. You're very welcome, Maria. Uh, hi, guys. Um, yes, so I'm really looking forward to this interview. And we managed to uh, drag you off site for, for the morning for a, a, bit of a, a bit of a chat about HMOs and, and your, your journey. Uh, I think yes. you've got a really, really interesting story about um, how uh, how you've basically worked really hard, and it's not easy uh, being in property. But you, you're at the point now that you have six properties between you and your your husband. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's a uh, there's an old school tactic that you've used to get to that point where you've, you've moved into a house and done it up while you're living in it. And that, that's created an investment property uh, and you brought a second one. Is that, uh, in a nutshell, how you got started? Well, yes, and a little backstory before that, for two years before we did that, we cut on everything you can possibly do and you just start saving. So you are in a super, super thrifty mode for like depends how you know how much you need for x amount of time so you have some safety net and then you jump in wow and and tell us um your you came to uh the uk to study law where, where did you come from so i originally come from estonia which is a small country below finland and most people have no idea where it is or they had about eurovision there's only one and a half million of us, so not many. And yeah, I came in, um, I came to actually study in Liverpool and I've never been to Liverpool before. Up until the first day I came with a like one way ticket. So it was quite the experience. I was 19, just finished school. And yeah, that's how it all started. And it was in 2008. Wow. And, and uh, what were your impressions about the Scouser accents? Yeah, well, um, the only thing I, I didn't know anything about Scouser accent or anything about Liverpool, because back in the day we were talking about, even though it wasn't that long ago, but I didn't know anything about Facebook. Um, we didn't have room, things like student room or anything. And you didn't really do any reviews online or read anything online. So I literally went to the embassy of um, English embassy uh, in my town. Um, and I said, I want to apply to English Uni. And they gave me a book which had about 480 pages. 
and they said, here is a book, choose which universities you go and then come back. And in my country, we have six universities, six. So um, yeah, and I didn't know anyone or ask anyone. So I chose one university from top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40, top 50, because I didn't know how hard um, it was to get in. And so that must Lucas, have been a, I, uh, like an incredible um, experience. So what age were you at this, this point? So I, at this point, I was um, 18. Uh, so that was beginning, uh, I just turned 18. Um, and for the summer, we decided with my two school friends, so a year before I came, to go to London first time. Uh, just uh, three of us for a couple of weeks just to see what it's like and it was it was quite the experience on its own but it was at the time completely crazy because I've never been to England and uh, we didn't know what it's all like um, it was funny because we had someone who'd been to England before and they said okay so when you land you need to find the National Express stand and go and tell them take you to London. I was like, okay, we can do that. So then we land and we go. I was like, okay, we need to go and find National Express. Our English was okay, but it wasn't like full on. And um, so we turn to the National Express and I say, okay, we found it. I was like, we need to take us to London. And he's like, okay, well, which stop? I was like, stop? What do you mean stop? He's like, well, which stop in London? I was like, um, and we had <laughs> we had booked a um, uh, like a hostel somewhere near Hyde Park, and that's why I tell him I was like, um, well, I want somewhere near Hyde Park, and he's like, right, okay, maybe Marble Arch. I was like, okay, yeah, let's, that sounds good. Like, let's do for that. But I couldn't even understand what he said because he said something like Marble Arch, and for me at the time it was just gibberish. So we went back to the bus and I was like, okay, we're just gonna hope for the best that eventually we get off at some point. And luckily our hostel, which we, we had like a normal paper map, um, our hostel was in Queensway. So we just walked for three stops, um, you know, with our luggage. Uh, so yeah, that's how it all started really. And, and you liked it enough to come back and uh, study and you, you were doing uh, law. I was doing law, yeah, but I decided that I, when I was 12, I decided I'm going to England to study. I remember it very vividly because I went to school with like a deep English uh, language um, education, which basically means you have English every day for five days for like one hour. Uh, it's 45 minutes uh, every day. And so we would study like text about England, but it's all, you know, it's nothing to do with reality, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I just thought this is what I'm going to do. Um, and because I remember, no, actually, I, that's 12 when I thought about it. And it's 14 when it was all finalized, because I remember being in my parents' bedroom and watching that uh, London Olympics going to be in 12-12, in 2012. And I remember thinking, I'm going to be there. When the, the Olympics going to be there, I'm going to be there in London. Wow, and 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 that's uh, so. As a young girl, you decided you were you were coming to England. You were going to be yeah. here for the Olympics. You were going to study, and you, yeah. you ended up doing law in Liverpool. Um, that's right. And and what uh, what happened um, in terms of career wise? I think there's a um, there's quite a relevant sort of uh, component here. What what what, what happened next? Well, I think the, the small background was important is that I absolutely no idea what a solicitor or barrister means uh, back at the time because I didn't have any lawyers in the family. 
um, I didn't know that there is a, such a thing as common law. Um, the only thing I found out with common law is, is about lecture three when I was at uni. Because from, in my understanding, I was like, oh, you're going to go to, to England, become a, some sort of a ubiquitous solicitor, and then you can work throughout the world. That's, I don't know what I was thinking, but that's what I was thinking when I came. So very quickly. I think it's like a, a lot of people, like there's, there's not always a lot of detail. Uh, it just seems like a really good idea at the time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it did sound like a good idea at the time. And so, um, when I so when I got into uni, they do this um, like a career kind of lectures um, with the career service that people come and say, "Oh, this we can do potentially like later on." And after about two weeks of going them, I realized that, yeah, maybe maybe this is not as good as actually I thought it's going to be. Uh, so after about two weeks, I realized what it actually takes to be a solicitor and that at the end of it, it's unlikely you will become a solicitor anyway. So that was my first time when I thought we probably need a plan B. And so what, what, what did you end up doing? So I ended up uh, working, so I graduated and I was, I was thinking if, um, I decided I will never pay for LPC. LPC is a legal practice course, which most people after they finish university, they pay. So it's like a, like a thing you need to do before you get a training contract, which then qualifies you as a solicitor. Uh, very rarely you can get a training quadrant while you're still at uni and then the company pays for it. It's it, At a time, it costs something like 15000 a year for just nine months. And so most, uh, most people just ask their parents to pay um, and then you do that. And then after that, you work as a paralegal, which is like a more typical route. And then eventually, you know, like 10 years later. And you went down a different route. Yeah, and I decided that uh, there's no way I'm paying 15 grand uh, for a one year course because it wasn't even a year. It was more like five months of study. So I was like, there's no way this is happening. So the only option is if you don't go that route, you can't become a solicitor. So what you can do is you can either work as a paralegal and then kind of work your way up so that the company pays for it and then you kind of train on the job. Or you go something like you go for the you can work for the government like an immigration service and like advisory capacity, um, like I mean you know just like an advice worker really. Or you can go into a not-for-profit or charity sector. And that's what you did. So yeah, I tried. I tried a private company. I did. I lasted three and a half days exactly, and then I decided this is definitely not for me, and I went into charity. Yeah. So working inside a charity, um, what, what, what type of charity work was it? Um, this is, um, well, basically legal sector in the charity sector. This is all similar to Citizens Advice Bureau, which is called Citizens Advice now. I work there as well, but um, there's actually lots and lots of small independent ones throughout the country, like every county and every council will have at least one or two services um, that are sponsored mainly by either the council or the lottery fund or some other um, institutions and you just do legal advice. So you kind of specialize, you can specialize in other things, but I specialized in welfare rights. So you do benefits, you do appeals for benefits if you want, you do a bit of landlord tenant um, uh, disputes um, and, well, you studies as a general, so you can do a bit of everything and then you can specialize, which I did in the welfare rights. 
Very good. And then um, as this is progressing, um, there's a romance uh, starting to form in the background somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically we, so we met in London. You're, you're, you're now partner or, or husband, is it? Husband, yeah, yes. husband, yeah. We, yeah, we got uh, married in 2015. So we met when we were, I was 24 and uh, he was 27. Um, in London and at a time so I was uh, I was at a time thinking that I definitely need a plan B so I graduated when I was 22 so I've been working for like a year and a half in different charities and I was thinking I was like contemplating what else I can do and and then that's when we met yeah and so you you, you met you married you, you started saving uh for your first house and you, you stopped spending, I think is one of the key property <laughs> lessons. You you were saving. Yes, well, basically uh, my husband, he um, is a self-made uh, businessman. So he uh, started his business from scratch when it was just an idea. Um, it was a university project that uh, two of them eventually made into a uh, quite successful business. And they started it in their bedrooms when they were 21. And my family background, actually, everyone in my family, everyone is self-employed as well. So I think that's why I probably didn't, uh, couldn't really work for someone. So in the private sector, that's why I didn't last very well. Uh, I've always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. So we, so me and my husband, we linked, you know, really connected on that. And um, he helped me to guide in a way, like what to do. And like, we were talking about different options, what we can do. And it was actually originally his idea. He was quite interested in property. Um, we, it all started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's, it's, it's very cliche, but yeah, we were driving in a car um, and I put it up on my, um, um, what is it, like Kindle, and I said, uh, it was actually in Russian at the time, because I couldn't get an English version, I was like translating him cute bits and saying, this is it, we're going to do this, and it was around 2000, I think. And the basic uh, message is buy property. Uh, yeah, we just uh, decided that we need to change what we're doing. This is not working. We have to do what Rija says, we have to change our mindset, and I think we should turn into property. That, that's, that's, that's when it all started, yeah. And, and so two years of uh, intense saving, and you you then uh, started looking for a house. Yeah, so we were then, because we were living in central London, and we both absolutely hated it, because we're not really city people, and we both grew up by the sea, just different seas, and we decided that we need to move somewhere um, by the sea. And we were looking on a map of England and then deciding where we're going to go. And then we've chosen an area that will kind of fit certain bills, you know, certain points. And we decided, so the option we had was we either move to this area and we either buy like a very typical good a semi probably three four bedroom semi with like a driveway and a nice garden and just live there or we sort of like a you know like a normal step what people do like a first buy to let um and then a family home and or we were married by then or we don't do any of that and we split the money and we buy two terrible houses just terrible 
like really terraced on double yellows, you know, with damp everywhere, um, like a teeny tiny. Needs work. Yeah, means work, means being really uncomfortable after being really comfortable for many years. And we're just gonna live in one. So, and uh, we're gonna either make it into an HMO or a service accommodation or anything. It wasn't really that like decided at the time what exactly we were doing, but we were looking for something that will have at least four bedroom at the end of it. And the idea was to, uh, to hold it for investment income. Yeah, so the idea was to buy, live in there for two years, then once the fixed uh, rate is over, uh, rent it out and move out. And at the same time, we had to buy a second house while we were still living in the derelict one, a second one, which we can do then a single list straight away. So we get landlord experience. I needed this landlord experience so that you can get an HMO mortgage down the line. Okay, and and you were um, at some point in the middle of this because you're um, you've in the space of a, a, a few short years of a lot of hard work. You've gone from not having a deposit to having a deposit, having suddenly having two houses, getting uplift, yeah. and now you've got six houses. Um, yeah, but this is a incredibly uh, old school, unusual example. Now, you started documenting this journey um, and, and you've got a, uh, what, what started off as a blog, but is now a, um, a, an Instagram um, uh, story, basically, where you're, you're posting about uh, what you've done, how to do it, what goes wrong. Um, and what, what made you uh, start to uh, share the journey? Um, so I think, well, I think the key overall issue is like, as you probably know, um, property world can be quite lonely and um, a bit, um, you know, annoying, I guess, sometimes. So I thought I was on um, sort of property forums before uh, on Facebook and on like, you know, other forums. Um, and I would always do comments and um, I think most of my feed is actually only property related stuff. I don't really have anything else. And I've been uh, doing lots and lots of comments over the years and then eventually I realized that actually it probably will be more useful if I just keep it all in one place. And then if someone you know needs help or is interested in it, they can just scroll and read post by post and there will be um, a better understanding of what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And you're you're doing it in uh, like a, I think a, a really well structured way. Like you're you're laying out like the the four four stages to uh, to get started with your first house and turn it into an HMO. Um, yeah. Like like the the number of people who talk about struggling to uh, to get uh, you know. Op off having their own house, their own nice house, um, into um, you know into property investment, um, build it from within your house uh, is basically your your message. Yeah, well, um, I think what we need to understand and the message I'm trying to say is that um, you know the house prices are not going anywhere. Uh, they everything is expensive pretty much everywhere in the UK. 
um, but down south, we're like on a different um, level. And I think it is possible. It's hard, it's possible, but it is possible. And uh, this is more aimed, I think, for like younger, um, probably generation that, um, so that they probably have like a more clear plan what's actually needed to start. Mm -hmm. um, and, so and, and outlining like all of, not, not just the good stuff, um, one of the things that I find really refreshing is you talk about the hard work and the sacrifices and the problems and the challenges um, and, and the frustrations, I, I imagine. Um, now, your current one that you're, you're fixated on a little bit is around finding building contractors uh, for projects. Yeah. Um, there's, there's all sorts of, um, and this, this varies from region to region, but what uh, what's your, uh, what are your basic steps for getting a good contractor in at a good price and making sure you get a result? Well, I think I'm afraid it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. Um, there will be uh, some frogs you will have to kiss before you get um, something good. Um, the, the biggest challenge which we all face, which I don't know why anyone talks about, I don't really hear this on forums, is most of the builders are obviously doing normal residential houses so extensions or you know some big renovations like bathrooms but it's all residential which means they can be built up up to a year so like when some, when i buy a house we have a turnaround of about six weeks so from the second i view it from the get i get the keys the longest will be six weeks so i can't possibly book anyone in you know, more quicker than what six weeks, and most builders just don't operate on on this. You know, like especially like a bigger company that's got I don't know five ten stuff, which can people probably... you know when they're any good they get in demand and there's a, a a bit of a wait list basically. Yes, there is a big waiting list. Yeah, so if you need an extension in your house, it's not a problem for you to wait for six months or even if they yeah if you particularly want them. Um, but for us, it's, it's not an option. We need to start and sing. We need to start on the day we get the keys. I can't wait, you know, even for two months for anyone. It's just not a feasible option. So you just got to choose when you, especially when you start, you just got to choose what, what you have, basically whatever you can find. Eventually, you will manage to have some sort of relationship when they will like bend the rules, will try and squeeze you in. But I don't really know what a quick way to get there unless you have friends or I don't know, family members. So a lot of things, there will need to be some DIY involved, that's for sure. And you will need to be there every day, literally watching them like a hawk. And then you will have to sack a couple of builders. I think it's just inevitable. Uh, and they just, as long as you there and you don't let it all kind of roll and cause too much damage, it will be all right. But you will, yeah, it's not, I, when you're gonna do it first, it's not gonna be great. Let's just put it this way. I always think it's a good idea to uh, to uh, have a a couple of backup options at least um, that you're in talks with at any given time. Um, oh yeah. My uh, my own personal strength is is sourcing uh, relationships uh, and, and connecting what we need within a deal. Uh, so, so the appropriate uh, either companies or people in, in the building part of that is, um, is 
you know, I think no different. And you've got to have a methodology where you're, you've actually specified like what you're wanting in a contractor um, and also what you're wanting them to do. And, and the, um, the investment in getting that clearer makes it a lot easier to A, find the right person, but also for them to realize that you're not a time waster. Uh, and, and when you've, you've got that, uh, specification clear you, you've got to um, basically go out and, and source and then ideally you've got options that you can uh, run a selection process or, or, or a screening process that you can then choose someone from um, and, and the, the more specific uh, you get at the front end in terms of what are you looking for uh, in my experience the easier it is to subsequently uh, find that, that right person and, and indeed have, have a, a choice. And, and you've got a, then a, um, you've got to secure them. It's one thing finding them, but as you said, you know, they may not be available. So yeah. finding, you know, finding like what the balance is uh, at the right time, I, I think is a, a huge one. In terms of um, what, what, um, What's a funny, funny little story that you've had with a builder? Um, it doesn't have to be a bad story, but uh, something that's uh, that, that's gone on in a project recently. Um, well, there is one which is um, a particularly annoying one, where which I don't know. I, I spoke to some fellow investors, and it seems to be not even that rare. When someone kind of started good, but then as time goes, um, they suddenly turn people you never employed. And I'm not talking about a couple of days, I'm talking about months later. So there was one a particularly bad one, which uh, was like the last straw. Um, well, a long story short, um, I needed to install uh, sliding doors in, in, my, in two of my toilets in my last project because um, a normal door would mean there's no sink or like a really awful sink. So we decided that, okay, we're going to do a sliding door. And obviously the way you measure sliding door, you have the opening for the, you know, for the, for the door and then the wall that it's, you know, hangs on like next to it. So I'm telling him, I never bought sliding doors. I don't know how to install them. So I'm telling the builder that they did, uh, they did a lot of work for me. We're talking months and months and many, many, many tens of thousands after. I'm telling him, measure me the door. I'll buy those sliding doors. I'll buy the mechanism you, you'll um, install it. So he tells me it's going to be uh, 33, 30 inch. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? We'll go in again. He measures the wall. Again, you know, as you slide it back, so it, it sits on the wall. And he's like, that's definitely 30 inch because otherwise um, when you close the door, you're gonna be like overhang in the opening too much. I don't know what he's saying. I was like, okay, 30 inch it is. So I go to the shop, I call him again. It was four times. It was four times he checked with him. Are you sure it's 30 inch? He's like, yes, sure. I was like, I'm in the shop now. I'm buying the door, it's 30 inch. He's like, yep, yeah, that's what I want. And long story short, we were in the middle of a lockdown by the time it was time to install doors. He installs the doors, he turns up at my door um, and he says, I installed the door because he was like on his own there, um, you know, to, for the COVID rules. I wasn't on site at the time. He said, I installed the doors, I want um, the money. 
I was like, well, maybe you can send me pictures because I can't send you money for the dolls I haven't seen. He was like, no, my problem. Go and check yourself. I was like, all right. Anyway, so a week later, once the, 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 the rules were like, I don't remember the reason, but anyway, turn up at that door and look at this hanging door and then look at it hanging there and it does not close the opening. So it hangs there, the door, but you can see through the toilet on either side. So the door is just too narrow for the opening. So I call him and I was like, why, why are you hanging this door, which is obviously too small? And he says, well, you bought the door, you wanted it, that's where it is. I was like, okay, well, how, why do I need the door that doesn't close the toilet? What is the point of this door? And he says, oh, all you need to do is to build a frame around it on a hanging door, a frame. It's like, why? Why would I want to do that? He's like, well, if you just build some sort of a, like a little stat frame, then you won't be, and do some flashing, then you won't be able to do it. And I was like, Right, so I need now to pay you to hang the door. Now, invite a carpenter, spend another 200 pounds so that it actually does the purpose. What, what, what is this? And um, well, long story short, um, we had lots of arguments. He left, I got another carpenter. We threw that door out, bought a 33 inch and we just rehang the door and it closed it. It was just, it was literally one and a half inch, just too narrow from, from each side. And he did not, uh, he did not, the person who worked for me for one and a half years and, you know, was employed out of, out of the almost full time, he would not say it's his fault. Like, what is wrong with these people? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one. And, and there's, um... I, I think one of the things that I've realized through the uh, lockdown restrictions is that people um, people are human and, and things are going on in their worlds that are not necessarily anything to do with uh, your door or your job or, or what he thinks of you. Um, and and the, the problem is that when you need something done, uh, your, uh, depending on how urgent that is within your project, you just need it done. Um, mm. But, um, and that, that's, a, that's pity because if someone had been doing a good job for a year and a half, um, what, what, what do you think the big lesson you took from that was? Well, we, um, we had some sort of a hiccups, you know, with, with, with other things, but that was like the last one because I saw that as a personal disrespect because it was so, it's not, wasn't like I was expecting, you know, perfect walls or perfectly fit kitchen or anything like that. I was just expecting not a botched, awful job. And that's what I got in the end. Um, so I just decided this is definitely too much. The funny story to this is, is that six months later, he, no six months, uh, how many months? Uh, four months later, he emailed me and he said, oh, how's it going? And then he said, yeah, I think, you know, hangs up, I messed up with that door. Four months later, well, thanks. Um, so in the end, he has come to his senses, but the relationship's totally ruined. There's like more, like we had more problems than this, but the bottom of the story is, as I said, you need to be there every day and you need to double check, triple check uh, with everything. And you need to watch even your good 
even your good builders. The problem, which I talked about briefly in, in one of my posts, is not about, um, you know, well, you know, if you employ someone cheap, you know, that's what you expect. Well, no, nothing is cheap when you renovate a property. No, nothing is cheap. With the way we renovate property, I have to take everything back to the brick and start again, everything. I need full rewire, full replumbing. I can't just patch it up here or there. I'm doing all properly from the beginning. And if you're saving, I don't know, like 10 quid on labor here or there, it doesn't mean it's cheap, nothing is cheap. We're talking about tens and tens and tens of thousands of pounds of refurb. This is not just painting the walls and putting a pretty sofa in. This is, this is not it. And um, what, so what I, what I was um, basically trying to say to the builders that they all, well, at least the ones I came across, they all think they're a little bit better than they actually are. And just some of them are just a little bit too greedy. So you kind of need to see through this, which I'm afraid only goes through experience when you will quickly understand if someone is actually knows what he's doing and someone who's not and the one the ones that do know what they're doing they do come in you know much smaller packages than the other ones right and it's uh as you said kissing a few frogs to find the, the prints so you're yeah. um you're available on instagram what what's the um what's the handle or the um hmo duchess is that correct Yes, this, yes, that is just HMO Duchess. And um, Maria, Louisa, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, I'm Will thank Mallard. This is My me. Property World. And uh, we'll catch you again for the, the next session. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.